The NBA draft is in the books. How did our small market South teams do? Is Paolo really going to be an exciting number one pick? And what the heck is going on with the New York Knicks? All this and more on this week's episode of Jake's Take. Let's go. Let's go. Don't wait. This night's almost over. Honest. Let's make this night last what is going on, everyone? Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Storman at Jake's Take Podcast, at Jake's Still 14. The NBA draft is in the books, and now we get to kind of go over that before we hop in to some other stories for the NBA offseason. I love the drafts. It's always just so exciting because you get to see so many players get a chance to live out their dreams. And before the draft, they have this really cool thing where all the players and their parents would walk across the stage and they were having their moments to shine. And this is really all about them. They've worked so hard and they put in all the hours and time to be where they are. So even getting a chance to be drafted, that's amazing. I have so much excitement and respect for them. But looking into this, you know, let's kind of look at how our teams had done. Obviously, we all know that with this, we are going to focus on our small market South teams. And that's the exciting part because we want to see how they performed and if they got players that they needed. One of the good things about our teams, whether it's Memphis, New Orleans, Charlotte, or Atlanta, is that they didn't need that one defining player. They didn't need a John Morant. They didn't need a Zion. They didn't need a Trey Young because they already had those players. They just needed some additional help. So they were kind of more established than other teams in the draft, which is pretty good. So now we can kind of look back at it. So I think with this, the first team I kind of want to look at has to be the New Orleans Pelicans. And I know that that might come as a surprise because someone would say, well, Silves, you are a big New Orleans fan. Well, yes, I am. But with this, you know, they're still the first team in the top 10. So with the eighth pick, the New Orleans Pelicans got Dyson Daniels, a shooting guard from the G League out of Australia. Now, with the Pelicans, a lot of talk was going to be made about who they were going to pick. It was going to come down to Benedict Matherin or Shaden Sharp. But later on, throughout the whole pre-draft process, people were kind of shying away from Shaden Sharp. The knock on him is that he never played college basketball. He sat out this whole year to prepare for the NBA draft. So it's a big question mark. It's not a situation where you had someone with Zion where you saw him dominate for the beginning half of the year. You get hurt, you come back. They still had a full season of Zion tape. They didn't have that for Shaden Sharp. But it was kind of the idea that the Pelicans would draft him. And then before he even had his workout with the Pelicans, it was canceled. So I just kind of saw more and more red flags. And like I had said previously, the Pelicans didn't need a talent-defining prospect. They didn't need their all-star right away because they have great talent. They just needed someone who would fit and was the best player available. Enter Dyson Daniels. Now, he is a shooting guard, which is great. We need more shooters on the Pelicans. That is tremendous. We love that. He's also well-known as a team player, and wait for it, his defense. That's right. Willie Green, Trajan Langdon, and David Griffin all did the right thing and got this team more defensive help. 
if you know me, I'm a big Herb Jones fan. I love Herb Jones. You know, Herb Jones has been this exciting since I was at Alabama. He can't do everything by himself. He is not Thanos, as to quote Mark from RCDC World. But with this, I think it's really great to know that they noticed a trend and they went after it. Now, in this regard, he is a very fascinating guard. You know, he has size. He can play with or without the ball. But right now, it's his jumper. Now, he'll get better. He'll figure that out. He'll get that sorted out. And this right now shows that he has a high ceiling if they can figure out his jumper. And then with this, it also makes the Pelicans a close to a legitimate contender. This also falls on Zion. But with this, Daniels fits really nice into that core as the best perimeter defender in this draft. They didn't need to make a splash. They didn't need to make a home run. They got the best player. But here's the best part, too. They didn't try and make any crazy trades. The draft is always going to be full of crazy trades. It's always going to be really weird because, you know, you will look at something and it'll say drafted by this team, but this team gets his rights. And it's always confused me. And I, I don't know why. So looking at this, they stayed put. And there were all these talks about them moving back or moving up. They stayed put and they got a guy that they needed. And he's excited to be there. Also, if you want to see something really cool, Last year's first round pick by the Pelicans was interviewing him beforehand. And Trey Murphy knew that he was going to be a Pell. And I love that. Also, more content of Trey Murphy as a reporter. That's great. That's all we really asked for. And with the Dyson Daniels pick, CBS Sports gave that grade an A+, which I think is a really good pick. Now, let's kind of scroll down a little bit more to the 13th pick. So, like I had said previously in our Charlotte-based episode, the Charlotte Hornets had the 13th and the 15th pick. Those were great picks, and they needed those picks to continue to grow and develop their team. Obviously, we wanted to see what could happen there and see what they would do. So, with their 13th pick, what they did was they had drafted Jalen Duran. So he was going to fill that hole at center. But here was the crazy part, too. After this, they traded this pick to the Knicks, and then it was traded to the Pistons. And this was, in a sense, for Detroit to grow their team. So basically, even though Jalen Duran was drafted by the Hornets, he's not going to the Hornets. He is going to Detroit Pistons, and he's going to play there for Dwayne Casey. So that was one of the crazier parts of the NBA draft because no one knew where he was going for a while. Now, this isn't going to affect the Charlotte Hornets, but on the bright side, they picked two picks later with the pick they got from the Pelicans, and this time they get it right. They get Mark Williams from Duke. They get the big man. They've been needing a big man. They need more help. And I think with that, that really does mean a lot. It shows where their head is at. They knew they needed some additional help. Now the biggest thing that they need to do is they need to figure out what to do with Miles Bridges. And in this regards, with their pick of Mark Williams at 15, CBS Sports gave the short Hornets an A. Now on to pick 16 which was for the Atlanta Hawks. Now, I was actually worried about the Atlanta Hawks. I was worried that they weren't going to get a good pick because they were picking so later on in the draft, but they got a good one. They didn't do anything to move up. They didn't move back. 
and AJ Griffin fell into their lap. And this comes after talks about them wanting to consider moving on from DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter, John Collins, and they get an athletic small forward in this regards. And that's amazing. You know, he's the son of an NBA assistant coach. He showed glimpses and he might be the best shooter, but he gets to play with an elite passer in Trey Young. Trey Young gets help. And that's what matters. Now, I know that there was the talk about his knee injury and it affected his athleticism, but he got comfortable. It'll take him some time. He's going to, you know, need to take some time to adjust and get ready. But he's the son of a coach and he's a great shooter. And that was a big thing, too, for why he was rising on draft boards. But here's another thing that's so great about Atlanta getting A.J. Griffin. They not only get a dominant forward, but they also get someone who knows the ins and outs. He's not going to try and come in there and be the star. We know that this team is Trey Young's team. But he is going to be there to help this team win, move on. And like I said before in previous episodes, the East is a very competitive division. Both divisions are very competitive. So in this case, he is going to be someone who can help this team win. He might come off the bench. He might be inserted in the starting lineup. But right now with this, they got a good pick. These three teams got good picks. And New Orleans and Atlanta didn't have to move up. I'm still very concerned about what Charlotte was doing because they drafted a center, then traded him, and then they drafted another center. But they got things that they needed to do in the first round. They got the players that they needed. They didn't try and do something completely different. New Orleans got defense. Charlotte got a big. Atlanta got someone who's going to help out Trey Young and is a great shooter. They addressed their needs. They weren't trying to mess around. They weren't trying to do anything silly. They knew what they needed, and they got it. And that's what makes this so impactful and powerful. And Atlanta's grade for that pick was an A+. So I think with this right now, our teams are doing very well. Now let's kind of scroll down a little bit and look at the Memphis Grizzlies. Now this is actually our first Lower grade with a B. So the Memphis Grizzlies from the Timberwolves got Jake Laravia. And with this, the Memphis Grizzlies traded 22 and 29 for 19. And this is, you know, kind of what the Grizzlies front office does. But they found their guy and they traded up to make sure they get him. The draft history has earned credibility with picks like Brandon Clark and Desmond Bain. But similar with the Pelicans, the Hornets, and the Hawks, the Memphis Grizzlies didn't really need to make many adjustments. They have Jaw, they have Desmond Bain, they have Jaron Jackson. They have a young team, and they have a team that can win. Right now, they just need more depth. And I think that's what they got. You know, they were able to make something relatively, you know, well-known. They got someone they needed. And I think in this regard, it was a good pick, but it was, you know, kind of a head-scratcher. And then for the 23rd pick, where with this, they traded away D'Anthony Melton, and they did that, they got the trade through with the 76ers, they get a shooting guard, David Roddy. This is another pick where CBS Sports gave them a B, because you're doing this and you're trading away one of your 
players, and this is a player that Jaw really loves, and you want to keep your superstars happy. But they did get Danny Green in return? Question mark. They didn't have David Roddy as a first-round grade. He was an unusual body for a wing. And this is very similar to like what the Memphis Grizzlies do. You know, if Memphis is doing something and they've gotten success from it, you don't really question it. I mean, they traded up to get their guy and they get another guy. They get another shooter. I think with this, Memphis is building up their depth. But it is kind of a head-scratcher, too. You know, maybe Taylor Jenkins has an idea. Maybe there's something more to it. But in this regard, it was kind of something that you don't really expect. I think, all in all, the Memphis Grizzlies did have a good first round. They got to pick twice. You know, how many other teams got to do that? Got to actually do that in Charlotte. And I think with this, they showed some success. So in this regard, I really think that all of our teams did really well. They show promise. We just kind of have to wait and see now what's going to happen with free agency. But I do want to shout out all these teams from our small market South teams. Not only did you get the things you needed and get after the players you needed, you didn't get distracted. You didn't try and make all these crazy trades. You didn't try and do things out of your control. You made the pick that you needed to make and you let the best player fall to you. And that's how you draft. I wanted to take some time and highlight the first overall pick in Paolo Bencaro. So this was actually kind of a surprise for me. It was so known that it was going to be Chet or Jabari. And for the longest time, people were assuming it was going to be Jabari. And then boom, on draft night, the Orlando Magic select Paolo Bencaro. So with this, CBS Sports gives the pick an A and... They say that they think he's going to be an impactful player and the favorite to win Rookie of the Year. It's sensible, it's surprising, but he's big, he's strong, he's skilled, and he would be an incredible building block in Orlando. Orlando right now is still a very young team. They're still trying to get some things figured out. But I think in this regard, I'm still unsure what led to it. I'm not questioning Paolo's talent or anything, but... My concern with this is that Orlando isn't the best at keeping their players in the city. For example, Shaq left. Dwight Howard left. If they have anything similar like this with Paolo, what are the odds that he leaves? I also think that right now, this is a team that is in a win-now situation. They really need to do something to change this because I think in the sense I'm not seeing enough from the Orlando Magic. I mean, some people might look at Orlando and say, oh, that's an easy win. Remember how this team with Dwight Howard was so electric. They haven't gotten that back yet. They need to find a way to get that back. I think Powell will be a great pick. I think he is the right fit for this team. They needed a power forward. They got it. But right now the pressure is on. And that's the thing too about these teams in the NBA. They're so focused on win now and that mentality. They're going to do anything it comes to. We have to remind ourselves that this kid is young. He's still going to grow. But people are going to start putting pressure on him. And we just need to remind him that it is okay and that they don't mean it. But also, this is the only team the Orlando Metro has. They have the Magic and they have Disney World. Which one do you think is more expensive to go to? 
a Magic game or Disney. Probably Disney. So the pressure is on. But I think with this, he can turn out to be a good player. Besides, Duke players going number one usually works out. Look at Kyrie. Look at Zion. I think it will look out great. I would say look at Jason Tatum, but he went number three. But he turned out well, too. So I think with this, they made a good pick. It was interesting because now people are going to see, well, what does this have to do with Jabari or with Chet? Well, nothing. It just depends on fit. It depends on coaching. It depends on the person they wanted. So what did the New York Knicks do? Being completely honest, I have no idea. But I feel so bad for Knicks fans. I feel bad for Stephen A. Smith. I was watching something on Bleacher Report from the broadcast boys. Love those guys. And they were just so confused. And I felt so bad because at first I was thinking, okay, you know, the Knicks might actually do something. Well, it started out with the Knicks picking a very, you know, New York Knicks person and by drafting the player from France. I'm not even going to try and attempt his name. Then they trade him. They trade him to the OKC Thunder, which means that Sam Presti, with his freaking 100 draft picks, traded some of his draft picks there in order for this to happen. The New York Knicks, I have no idea what they're doing. I was watching something from Stephen A. Smith, and he's saying how they're all focused on getting Jalen Brunson there, and they're trying to clear a cap. That's wonderful. But right now, you also should look at the players in this draft. There were some good players, and you traded away one. I think in this regard, this is something where we want to kind of look into it more at Jake's take. I know we talk about how these teams in the South are small market teams, and they're trying to compete with New York and Chicago. But here's the thing, too. When it comes to New York, no matter what these teams do, no matter what this front office does, whether you're in New York, Chicago, Brooklyn, they support and still care for these teams. That's what this team is about. Stephen A. Smith complains so much about what the front office does, yet he is still a huge Knicks fan. Spike Lee is the same way too. That is what the difference between the front office and the fans in those areas versus the fans here. We are so used to wanting to win because we see that in college where we might see this and say, well, we don't want to be a fan anymore. We need to show that devotion. We need to show that understanding and care that New York and Chicago does. But right now, yeah, who knows what the Knicks are doing? Because I most certainly don't. Hopefully someone does. Because hopefully at this rate, R.J. Barrett's going into his last year of his contract. And you kind of want to keep making him happy. Because right now, you know, NBA free agency is coming up. And who do you want to get? Because options are limited if you don't have the cap. But that is going to do on this Tuesday episode of Jake's Take. As always, thank you so much for all the support. You can find us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. And I'm so excited that we get to be back. As always, check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Jake's Take Podcast. And my personal Instagram, Jake's 14 As always, thank you so much for all the love, all the support. So as always, enjoy this. Be kind to others, love one another, create adventures, be the best you you can be. And as always, I will see you all later. Take care.